0: Investigate into this passage to see what is this parable is really about. As I started to pull the string of the parable, I saw that it's about something much greater than I had originally thought. In randomly selecting a so called easy parable, I instead came across a passage of scripture that has lifted me up out of six months of a spiritual rut. Today's message will be short but to the point. And if you let the truth buried in this parable, if you let this truth sink into your soul and sink into your heart, and if you, you let it shape your worldview, you will have everything that you need to endure until Jesus comes back. And I'll just be honest that some of the things I'm going to say are kind of frightening, and you may feel you know, that, that, that fear kind of rise up in your heart, and I'll just tell you that, that that's a good thing. It's okay. That's just God taking the, the scalpel of his word and, and cutting into your heart to get to your inner core. So it's okay if you feel a little bit of that. That feeling will pass, and love will take its place. So as we read this passage, keep in mind that a parable is just a little story with a big truth parables are just little stories with the big truth. It's a teaching technique that Jesus used to uh, help tell a spiritual truth. It's kind of like a, I picture it like a firecracker. Parables are like firecrackers, like big explosion, little package, right? That's what parables are like. So as we read this parable, think about that. So we're going to be in Luke 18, Luke chapter 18. Uh, It's in the New Testament, the Third book of the New Testament, we're going to start in verse 1, and that's okay, it's going to be on the screen behind me, so no need to, to pull your Bible out if you don't have one. And this is what it says. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice Against my adversary. For a while he refused, but at the word he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, This is Jesus now, and Jesus said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are a good and awesome God, and I, I thank you so much that, that you have come to earth Uh, in the person of Jesus Christ and that we celebrate Christmas and the fact that that you have come and you dwelt among us. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for their hearts and I thank you for how much you love them. I thank you for your word that does a work in our life and that Unlike any other book in the world, it just seems like it's words on the page, but that these words have power because these words are empowered by your Holy Spirit. And so I pray that these words would cut into the hearts of the people here and that they would build up those who are brokenhearted pray that it cut into hard hearts father as only your word can do nothing else can do that only you know willpower can't do it but only your word only your spirit so i pray that you would reveal these truths in our lives and that they would shape and form our lives and that we would not leave this room the same that we came but that we would be changed in jesus name we pray amen so let's start with the story itself and then we'll move on we'll kind of zoom out um, after that and into the surrounding verses so we can understand what this passage is about. So in verse 2 it says, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. So Jesus doesn't tell us what city this is, it's, you know, he's just making this story up, but we could probably assume it's a city in Israel. And so Jesus' listeners would be very familiar with this scene, uh, this, this unrighteous judge and this helpless widow. I mean, these people lived under the Roman Empire, an especially brutal regime. Bribery and corruption were everywhere. So, the people who are hearing this story would know this scene very, very well. And Jesus describes this particular judge as the worst of the worst. You cannot appeal to him on any level, he neither fears God or has compassion on anybody probably not even his own mother. That's how bad this guy is. Like some of our politicians, he is a truly corrupt man, doing only that which will satisfy his own skin. And not only that, he knows he's corrupt. It's not just that other people are telling him, hey man, you're corrupt. He knows he's corrupt says in verse 4 and 5 that he has this inner monologue and he's like, though I neither fear man nor have regard for other people. So he knows that he's like that. He's proud of it. And it's worsened by the fact that he's a judge. He's a man entrusted by God and by the people to deal justly, to do what is right. But he's not having any of that. So Jesus has basically created this caricature you know what I'm talking about, caricature, like whenever you go to a circus or a festival, I don't even know, but they like paint you and they give you like a big mouth or forehead or nose or something like that. So this guy's like a caricature, he's a cartoon, he's a satire, and he's supposed to represent the, the worst of the worst, the, the, the wicked of the wicked, the worst human being you can think of. That's the, that's the person that Jesus is trying to, to picture right here. He has no shame, he has no honor, No regard for the law, no compassion on anyone, no moral code by which you could appeal to him to do what was right. To use Christmas language, he's like the Grinch. Instead of his heart being two sizes too small, his heart is ten sizes too small. He was a thoroughly corrupt and wicked man. So let's turn to the second character in the story, and it's in verse 3, and it says, in verse 3, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary we could also interpret her as saying give me legal protection from my enemy so we know that someone had defrauded her jesus doesn't say what the person had done but it must have been really really bad maybe they cheated her in some way maybe they took her property or inheritance or something like that but whatever it is it's so bad that she goes to this judge time after time after time after time after time again In this widow's mind, and in reality, if she does not get this uh, judgment by this judge, then she will lose everything. All is lost. That's the scene that Jesus is trying to paint here. Not only is it bad enough for this widow, but she has nobody to, to fend for her. She goes to the judge herself. In these days, women did not go to the court. Men went to the court. So we know that this widow had nobody. She had no father. She had no husband, no sons, no family, no extended family, no friends, no one who was going to stick up for her. She was all alone. So where the judge is the caricature of wickedness, she is a caricature of helplessness. For the judge is the wicked of the wicked. She is the lowest of the low. So let's continue on with the story. It says in verse 4, For a while he refused. So for a while the judge refused to give her her verdict. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this... So keeps bothering me. I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. So at first, the judge refused to give her her judgment. Right? This is consistent with his character. We expect that. No surprises here. But then there's like a plot twist. Right? Every good story has a plot twist. And if you notice in parables, something to look for. There's always a plot twist. So in this story, the plot twist happens and it says, uh, you have the judge and he's talking to himself and he says, you know, I don't fear God, I don't respect man, but this widow, she keeps coming to me over and over and over again and she's wearing me down. Justice, you know, he's not going to move for justice, he's not going to move for compassion, but whenever he's bothered, whenever it uh, suits his purposes, he's going to give justice. John MacArthur says that the Greek word that the judge uses in the, in the word like continual coming can mean forever, so the judge is saying to himself, if i don 't do something about this woman she 's going to come forever and beat me down. Not only she 's a fly to him like a gnat she 's painful she 's like a punch in the face. We get this picture that she comes morning after morning, so he goes to the courthouse and she 's there and she goes on his lunch break and she's there pleading her case and she goes in the afternoon and is there pleading her case and he leaves to go home and she's there and day after 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 day she's coming pleading her case with him and it finally wears him down so not for justice not for the fear of God not for compassion of anyone he gives in and he gives her what she wants. So what's the point? What's the point of this parable? You know, at first I thought this was, this was a parable that's like, like I said before, like, you know, God is, you know, if you go to God with a request over and over and over and over and over again, that he will eventually, you'll wear him down and he will give it to you. I thought that was the point of the parable. But I'm going to give you two reasons why I don't think that that's the point of the parable. The first reason is God is nothing like this judge. The two characteristics of this judge is that he does not fear God and that he does not have regard for people. He has no compassion for people. That does not sound very characteristic of God. God is in heaven. The Bible says that God loves us. So this idea that we have to go to God to get him to to give us the good things in life just does not jive up with other Scripture. And the second reason I don't think the Scripture is about that is because at the very end, if you go to verse 6, Jesus adds his own interpretation. And it says, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. And this is why I don't think that this passage is just about any old prayer request. At the very end, tacked on to the end of this parable in a very jarring way, like maybe playing like the wrong note on the guitar, he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In verse 1 of chapter 18, Luke tells us, And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and to not lose heart. And I want to clarify what Luke is saying And I'm going to mix it up kind of in my own words, and I think that this is the point of the parable, that we should always pray that we would not lose heart. You see, in order to understand this parable, you have to kind of zoom out, like I said, zoom the lens out just from this little passage and see kind of what's, surrounding it. It's a good way to understand any Bible passages, to look what's happening you know, directly before and directly after and see if those things relate. And in the book of Luke, they often do relate. Um, I'll give you guys a seminary secret so you don't have to pay for it. You know, I'll save you all some money. But Luke arranged a lot of his things thematically, not necessarily chronologically. So he would uh, maybe put things, similar sayings of Jesus together or similar parables together, and they all reinforce like the same Theme. So here in the chapter preceding, in Luke chapter 17, we see that Jesus had been talking about the end times, the second coming of Christ. And this parable kind of caps off this discussion on the second coming. So in essence, this parable, in this parable, Jesus is encouraging his disciples to be prayerful Strong-hearted people during the time of his absence. Jesus is basically commanding us, keep the faith until he comes back. Jesus is coming back. You know we just celebrated Christmas in the time when Jesus was born as a baby in a manger, but he is coming back as a judge. We celebrated the time when Jesus came very quietly, silent night, holy night. But he's going to come back like lightning across the sky. Jesus came back in a very, or when Jesus first came, it was very peaceful. But when he comes back, it will be catastrophic. Catastrophic. Luke 17 describes some of the things that are going to happen, and it describes the coming of Jesus, of the Son of Man, in similar ways that it describes Noah and the flood. It describes Jesus' second coming in similar ways as um, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus is coming back to reclaim his reign over the earth. And those who have rejected him, he is going to cast out. But right now, it seems that we're living in an in-between time, kind of between two things, right? We had the first coming of Jesus, and then we had the second coming of Jesus, and here's us. It's a pretty quiet time, if you ask me. God seems pretty quiet, in my opinion, I mean, people are getting married and being given in marriage and people are eating and drinking and having parties and people are uh, planting and building houses. People are planning their future and saving up in their 401k. Things go on just kind of as they always have been day after day. The things that we expect would happen happen and the things we don't expect, they don't happen. Mockers come They say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. get the feeling that when Jesus comes back, most of the earth will be going about business as usual. And the temptation for us for believers in Jesus is to be numbed down by the day-to-day ordinariness of life. To just get caught up in this grind of like work and maybe school and family and responsibility and chores and all these different things. And the temptation is to, to not live in such a way as to know that the coming of Jesus is, is very near. Jesus ends this discourse on the future and this parable with the question when the son of man comes will we find faith on the earth. So there seems to be a connection, <coughs> excuse me, between prayerlessness and faithlessness. At the very beginning of the parable he says he encourages people to always pray and to not lose heart and at the end of the parable he's Admonishing people about faithlessness. So there's this connection between uh, a thriving prayer life and a thriving faith. Prayer keeps the engine of our faith going. When our prayer starts slipping, our faith starts slipping. We become prone and susceptible to becoming faithless. And Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, says that if you are faithless, you have no part in the kingdom of God. So this parable is a warning for us to endure and faithful prayer until the day that Jesus comes back. Now, a lot of people say that there's no place for warning in the Christian life, that, 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 you know, that everything we say should be positive and encouraging, but I think that the people who say that are seriously deceived. Jesus warns that his coming is going to surprise Jesus warns us against letting the everydayness of life blind us to the fact that he is coming quickly. Luke 23 says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with the luxuries and the drunkenness and the cares of of this life, and that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Stay awake at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So how can we endure in this life? How can we keep from losing heart? By going to God, the righteous judge, the one who gives us justice speedily, How can we endure what's going to happen to us in 2015? I mean, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of good things that happen next year. There's going to be promotions and new jobs and new babies and marriages and lots of great things. But in 2015, there's going to be sickness and there's going to be joblessness and there's going to be cancer of... Your grandfather, how can you stand when those things come? Through prayer, by going to God and and identifying with the widow that you are helpless before him. But thankfully, we do not go before an unrighteous judge who has to be moved into working for our good but instead we go to a judge who is already working for our good and wants our good. So if you feel the callousness of your heart waning over, if you feel this, the, the deadness that comes with the everyday grind, and if you feel um, the prayer life being sapped out of your life by worries of this world and entertainment of this world, I encourage you to not let it sit idle. When our prayer slips, we are in danger of apostasy. And that is a dangerous place to be. But fortunately, we have a judge who wants to help us. Why wouldn't we go to him? So the first uh, takeaway is that you would always pray that you would not lose heart. And the second takeaway is this, that we should reorient our lives around the second coming of Jesus. The widow in this parable was persistent in her pursuit of one thing, And we in the Christian life should be persistent in our pursuit of one thing, and that is the second coming of Jesus. It redefines our whole lives. Or it should. When was the last time that you prayed that Jesus would come back quickly? Do you want him to come back? Sometimes life is good. You know, like the things of this world, you know, we get into a house or we have a family or a new kid. You know, we don't want Jesus to come and interrupt that. But I think that's having the wrong perspective. We need to preach to ourselves the wonders of heaven. Jesus' coming back is the fulfillment of every prayer request that we have ever had. Because he is going to come and take us to paradise. So preach these things to yourselves. um, That he's coming. He's coming to rescue us. He's coming to establish his kingdom on the earth. You know, I was thinking the other day that that we may be closer to Jesus' second coming than we are to his first coming. You think about that? We don't know when it's coming, all right? But it's very, very possible that we are closer to his second coming than we are to his first When he comes, this little world is just going to go away. So my encouragement for you today as we draw to a close is to not be like the masses that go out and pursue money and pursue their daily lives and try to make it in this world because Jesus is coming and that day will close on them like a trap I encourage you to be people who live lives oriented around the coming of Jesus I I pray that you would be people who orient your lives around the fact that he's coming and his kingdom is coming and, and life is short it's a vapor heaven is long eternity is sweet encourage us to be people like that. It will be worth it. So in conclusion, in short, always pray that you will not lose heart because it can happen to you. It happened to me this year. I lost heart. I stopped praying. I stopped caring. I got caught up in the day-to-day grind of the world and that led me into doubt and it led me into worry and it led me ultimately into sin. And that was a dangerous place to be. So pray that you would not lose heart and when you lose heart uh, repent and, and, and ask God for more faith and whenever you sin repent and ask God for more faith and whenever you're anxious whenever you have this dull cold heart, repent and ask God for more faith. The second thing is reorient your life around the second coming of Jesus. It will be worth it. Everything we do in this life for Jesus will be worth it. Everything we do for ourselves will fade, will burn up, and everything we do for Christ will last forever. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a righteous judge. If we were not under Christ, if, if we, if I had not believed in your Son for the forgiveness of my sins, then the fact that you are a righteous judge would scare me to no end. Because I knew, because I would know that you are coming, and I would know that I have no protection against you. But I thank you, Father, that that you are a judge who is also merciful. And instead of sending us to the place that we deserve, that you sent your Son into the world to be our place. Father, I thank you for that. Father, I pray that the people within the hearing of my voice would be people of prayer, would be people who continue to go to you in life be people who entrust their lives to you, who would make requests of you, and when you say yes," that they would rejoice and be thankful, and whenever you say "no," that they would be rejoiced and be thankful and whenever you say "Wait that they would continue to go to you until you give them an answer. Father, I pray that they would be people who pray that they would not lose heart, that we would not use willpower to try to get to you, but that we would come to you in prayer like this helpless widow who knows that her only recourse lies in the hands of another. Lastly, Father, I pray that you would just reorient our lives around yourself, that you would take our hearts and that you would peel back the layers of sin and and, and, and deadness and numbness. And that you would reveal this beautiful flower of faith that lives life in such a way so that people see that our car is not our treasure and our house is not our treasure and our job is not our treasure and our lives are not our treasure, but that our treasure is in Jesus Christ, the King who has come into the world. May you bless these people and may they go forth be effective for your kingdom. And it's in that king's name that we pray. Amen.